Bobby Westside's Vital and Coffee. Bobby Westside's Vital and Coffee. Bobby Westside's Vital and Coffee. You know, this is a damn fine cup of coffee. Hello, and welcome to Bobby Westside's Vinyl and Coffee, the podcast where I, Bobby Westside, your friendly neighborhood rock star, pontificates about music on vinyl while drinking a damn good cup of coffee. Today, we have joining me the Conic Records crew, Justin, Jackson, and Dave. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. Yeah, Yeah. good. Thanks for having us, Bobby. Thank you for being here. I know you've been trying to uh, put this together for a while now, Mm -hmm. had some scheduling conflicts, but... um, Hey, when you when you out. when you run a record store, it's a full time gig. You know, you never know. know when that next collect when that next collection is going to hit, and you got to drop everything and take the uh, the opportunity. Right, exactly. I mean, you guys were on a previous episode, but it was just on record store day. I just man on the street. Yeah, man on the street, street. report took out took out my phone and talked to each one of you guys mm-hmm. uh, about record store day. So technically, you guys, this is your second appearance, but first yeah. first one in studio. We're nice. in Studio nice. Forty Two today. <laughs> yes, we're being fed. Gummy worm or gummy bears and uh, coffee. Yeah, yes. shout out to uh, Habaro and uh, whatever the other one. Yeah, Haribo. Haribo. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, today we are drinking my favorite coffee from Smosh, the Brave, which has bright and fruity notes and is lightly roasted. It's just me and uh, Justin drinking coffee today. Uh, Justin, what do you think of the coffee? Bobby, I already finished my coffee and I have to admit it was a damn good cup of coffee. It is a damn good cup of coffee. I don't know. For some reason, uh, when I got the, when I got specifically this bag, I was like, oh, this. This, uh, I don't like the taste of this, but drinking it today, I'm like, oh, actually, this is really good. I think because I was switching from like a dark roast, mm-hmm. so it had like the, the thick flavor that gives you anxiety. Um, I forgot to put on my sunglasses. Uh, the thick flavor that gives you all the anxiety in life. Uh, and then switching this, I was like, oh, this doesn't taste as good. It's refreshing. It, yeah. It is a nice, uh, it is like, it says it has fruity notes on it, but it's, uh, I thought it was too sweet at first, but I'm like, oh no, this is actually really good. So what do you look for in a, a cup of coffee, Justin? Um, probably bold flavor. I like uh, you know, like a little dark roast. Um, Complement it with some uh, some cream. I'm an Italian sweet cream guy. It's, oh, okay. it's great because nobody buys it in the supermarket, and it's the one with the big cannoli on the front. Oh, nice. So that's that's where I because that's my go to. Because she's Italian. No, she doesn't drink that one. But that's she, probably she, why you choose it because it's a. Uh, oh well, I mean may, maybe inherently, but it's definitely. He uh, talks always about Italian food and Italian ices, Italian anything Italian. Any, anything Italian is is uh, got my seal of approval. Yes. Yeah, you guys are from Jersey, right? Yes. Okay, big Italian uh, mm-hmm. community up there, so I get that. Um, so Dave, I know you're not drinking coffee. Are you just not a, a big coffee guy? I don't know. I've never been a coffee. I mean, I've, you know, back in the day, my parents would give me, you, know, you want to try some coffee? Sure, of course, and it just didn't. I don't know. Maybe it was the taste, or I, I really can't smell. I, I told you it smelled amazing, mm-hmm. but then as soon as it hits the lips, it's it's like me and uh, me and onions. to someone does a mix. You know, I think knows. we might have to get Dave on a cup of coffee for those slow days of the record store. Yeah, nice little pick me up. Hey, that, that video game share is comfortable enough. It's, <laughs> you go five minutes news. You know, maybe you just need the right barista. Someday I'm going to bring in a cup of coffee just for you. Maybe and be like, how does this taste? Yeah, if you, I guess you, you put some, you know, flavors. I mean, I've always. Oh, you really like this? And that's, mm-hmm. I just never. Yeah, never he's, he's agnostic to, to coffee. Yes, that's I mean, good word to say. Yes. normally the only coffee creamer I get is the holiday flavor. So I'll get uh, pumpkin spice when it's a uh, spooky season, and I will get uh, uh, peppermint mocha when it's uh, Christmas mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. So those are the two coffee creamers I usually get because uh, those are the ones I only really like, and I really and I don't drink them every day. It's just mostly just on the weekends. 
Uh, Jackson, you have you ever had, have you tried coffee yet? Because you're 13. Yeah, I've had a little bit of coffee before. Okay, what'd you think of it? What What'd you think the I first mean, sip of coffee you ever had? It's pretty good. I mean, Jackson's more of a tea drinker. Yeah, I yeah. like tea more. I like UK nice cup of tea. That's that's perfectly fine. Uh, what's your favorite kind of tea? I mean, I like uh, vanilla tea and. Uh, the Lipton black yeah, tea Lipton with uh, a little bit of vanilla creamer is his go-to. He drinks brisk, like from the bottle too. Oh yeah, iced tea, of yeah, course. Yeah, he's he's definitely tea, a sweet tea kind of guy. Jackson, you can uh, get. A, I mean, you can move the mic okay. a little bit closer. You don't have to. You don't have to lean into it, but you can move it towards you. Okay. Um, have you tried Earl Grey tea? I mean, I know that's a black tea, so. I mean, yeah, it's, it's good. Okay, that's my favorite tea is uh, Earl Grey. So, like I said, you guys from local hotspot Iconic Records, uh, I, I say that pretty much once per episode, nice. if not multiple times, and I've said that so much that my drummer texted me on our most recent episode with uh, uh, about Bob Dylan's Highway 61. He was like, are they sponsoring the podcast? Because <laughs> they should. And I'm like, they should. Yeah. I talk about it all the time. So, you know, if you're ever looking to get into advertisements, uh, I I pretty much chill for free now. But would Bobby like- Westside Vinyl and Coffee, sponsored by Iconic Records. Yes. Not officially yet. That's <laughs> where I get like the no money like is the, exchanged. The address like a like remember those commercials with the you know, oh yeah come down on the corner of next to yeah. you know this this building whatever it is. Hey Bobby, maybe you can write us a jingle. I mean, yeah. I I would hundred percent will write a jingle. <laughs> That'd be sick. Come I, on down, I can't let your place. It's yeah. more than a record store. <laughs> <laughs> and all that is property of Bobby Westside Incorporated. Yes, yes. Um, so all let's, rights reserved. <laughs> all rights reserved. So let's uh, talk about your guys' roles in the in the in the record shop. Starting with you, Justin. Cause- okay. So yeah, I opened this store back in 2008 when you know the economy was terrible. It was the you know the Great Recession. Everything mm-hmm. was kind of crumbling. Um, at that time is when I I met my my now wife. We were were dating around that time. And we just had a, a real big connection over a certain band that we'll get to a little bit later. It's one of my one of my picks. Um, but we both, you know, we both worked retail. Uh, we both loved music. We both loved picking records and going to record stores. And we had this crazy idea, like, you know, I bet we can open a record store. I bet we can buy lots of collections really cheap yeah. because people, uh, right now, people are on hard times. Records really aren't popular at all in 2008. Mm-hmm. So it was a great opportunity for us to to actively seek large collections. And uh, everything went from an idea to turning that open sign within less than like nine months. It was very fast. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And when did you, cause this was in Jersey. Yes. So when did you move to, move it to New Mexico? So it was, uh, we started in a, in a, in our little downtown of our city of uh, Franklin, New Jersey. And it's a very small town. And um, like I said, we were on main street, which is hardly a main street, but anyway, that's kind of where we started. Uh, less than a year after that, we moved down to um, the main highway, which was on Route 23. We had a nice, you know, storefront with access to the highway, and we were there for a couple years. And then in 2000, uh, end of 2011, my wife got offered a job, and um, they said we're opening, you know, a store in uh, San Angelo, Texas. Tallahassee, Florida, or Las Cruces, New Mexico, mm-hmm. and we were a young family. We we just had Jackson was less than uh, he was a baby, like two years old, and we just we just went for it. We realized that this was an opportunity for us to move on to bigger and better things. And after researching the places, Las Cruces really was just so beautiful. Um, everything from from the weather, from the city of crosses, to just the culture and atmosphere. 
And uh, honestly, we just we just went for it. We packed everything up, drove you know twenty eight hours across the country with a two year old yeah. and a truck full of records, and oh, just wow. made it happen. Nice. I'm sorry. What, what year did you say that was? Two thousand and eleven. Okay, two thousand eleven. We started at at the mm-hmm. uh, the Big Daddy's Flea Market because mm-hmm. that was the, we got to our apartment and I had over a hundred boxes of records plus shelving plus a few arcade machines so much stuff yeah. and I knew that I needed to find a spot to set this stuff up like ASAP um, so I quickly I researched you know flea markets uh, in Las Cruces I found that one and it was like our second week that we were even living here mm-hmm. I was setting up shop in a little tiny booth at yeah. the flea market I mean that. It's amazing because I I think I discovered the shop in like 2018 maybe like the later later half of the 2010s and I didn't realize you had it for that long I thought yeah. it was like a new thing that happened so I you, was wrong it was funny you actually were our first you know Friday Night Live that was kind of an idea that I had I was like I want to do music on a Friday night I want to call a Friday Night Live I want to support local artists and uh, that was the very first one we did was at the flea market it was yes. you and Allison Reynolds and it was like a nighttime little. Uh, you know, little show and, and it was so much fun. And that's what really kind of launched us into doing our live music in Las Cruces. That's something we've always done in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you are our first live music in, in New Mexico. Yeah. Back then it was an open mic night mm-hmm. and I just was like, I saw it on Facebook and I'm like, might as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jackson, what, what is your role at Iconic Records? I mean, I run the floor or talking to customers and I also sell my stickers, pins and patches. And I also have a snack machine that people buy snacks from. Jackson is a entrepreneur at heart, for sure. Yes, definitely. Oh, don't cause... forget, you answer the phones. Oh, yeah, I do answer the phones in the back and mm-hmm. get collection needs. Yeah, because you always get me to buy all, all little like knickknacks that I don't go in the store for, but I'm like, well, I got to have it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's you're a true al- salesman. Yeah, you're always, salesman. you always convince me to get uh, get the stuff. And, get, and, get some extra stuff and it's a good salesman yes and not only that jackson was like i said when we moved here he was two years old so he was at the flea market three years old four years old five years old mm-hmm. always you know selling and, and hawking these little toys and these little things and uh yeah he's i'm very proud of him yeah i don't yeah. remember seeing jackson at the flea market but i i think w- maybe once or twice i don't know but yeah he wasn't there all the time because yeah. he was so small but yeah but I definitely remember seeing him more when you guys moved to 224 North Campo Street, mm-hmm. Las Cruces, New Mexico. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say this. I was waiting for you to say it. Open Monday, open Monday through Sunday. I didn't know we could plug it like that. I was like, ah. No, go ahead. It's, for, it's perfectly fine. 224 North Campo, Las Cruces, New Mexico. Yeah. Because you plugged it uh, for Record Store Day. Did I? Oh, yeah, okay. but you said the wrong address. What did I say? You, uh, you probably, 12 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Dave's fired. We're cutting his hours. Yeah. yeah. He corrected himself quickly, but I had already kind of like. I always tell people bits. across the across the post office. That's yeah. like the yeah. easiest way to tell people. Yeah. Oh, where, where are you at? Oh, you know where the post office is? Yeah, right across the street. Can't miss it. Yeah. Can't miss and it. It's more like. Catacorn. Interview Bill too on record. Yes, yeah, so I interviewed Bill. I didn't say him earlier because I couldn't remember his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, so, the, the silent, silent uh, jazz expert. Jazz, jazz expert, expert and yeah. uh, electronics expert. That's right. Yeah. He's the kind of guy like on Pawn Stars that we call. We get a jazz collection. Oh, let me call my expert this real quick. This is a very rare piece. Let me talk about this. <laughs> you know, I'd watch that as like a YouTube series. Someone, someone comes in. In fact, that's an idea that I might, I might see what see what happens with it in the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, bring him in. Even if we just stage it like they do on Pawn Stars. <laughs> so, Dave, what yes. is your role in the in um, iconic? If anyone has ever seen the movie High Fidelity, I am basically the Jack Black. I kind of showed up. 
at a Justin's store at the flea market. I'm going to say 14. 2014. I hired him for one day a week and he never stopped never showing stopped up. Showing <laughs> I never stopped showing up. But I had a truck too. Oh, yeah. So see. the collections were, I was the one, and then we had record shows. Mm-hmm. I'd mm-hmm. take my truck and I, I just kind of hung around and we just kind of friendship. We just, it was, I was, I was into records before. I was a DJ before this. I was, I mm-hmm. actually DJed at clubs. I DJed at the old Hurricane Alley. So you're ago. also Rob from High Fidelity at the same pretty time. Much, pretty much. I'm Rob from High Fidelity. He's I'm everyone a, from High I'm, Fidelity. I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah, that's why it's one of my favorite movies. But I would DJ there. I DJed at uh, Grand Central Station for many years. Uh, but it was Hurricane Alley and I, I spun records there. Mm-hmm. And, and then I got out of it. I think, you know, get a real job so I got a real job so let some of my records go but then I started getting back into them and I literally went on Google and lost uh, record shops Las Cruces and little did I know there was one on the flea market yeah and he was stuck between a, a restaurant that was failing and the owners like I'm not gonna say it's like a little toy shop like a toy sh- like a like a Walgreens kind of play didn't sell drugs okay yeah so and he was stuck in the middle there and he was only open for, on Saturday and Sunday from 10 to 2. That was it, because that's when the busiest times were at the flea market. And he made a good living out of doing that, 30 for four hours. He'd get people coming in, you get collections. We had live bands play there. I remember mm-hmm. Sorry Town play there. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, through. I was at that Sorry Town show. Yeah. We, we actually had the Mountain Goats uh, play at our yeah. store. The Mountain Goats, yeah. I did a for show me. for Jack. Oh, that was in New Jersey, right? No, that was, was here. here. That was here. How did I miss that? You missed the Mountain Goats. Yeah. Was this before I was aware of the shop, probably? So th- here's, a, here's a quick and background of, of Jackson. When we moved here in 2008, uh-huh. uh, like I said, Jackson was two. By the time he was four, he started having uh, started having seizures, and uh, which you know is pretty common in, in children. Sometimes kids have uh, you know epilepsy, and you give them medicine, and they get better. However, that was just not the case with Jackson. Um, he developed a extremely rare brain disease that people you know the experts still don't even know how and why you get this thing they just know that it's it's an encephalitis and it sticks to one side of the brain either the left or the right and it essentially just bombards the the child with massive amounts of seizures and their whole half of their brain just essentially shrinks like a, like a prune and mm-hmm. he was you know, he was having thousands of seizures a day. I mean, 24-7. His, even when he was sleeping, his, his hand is twitching. It was a t- terrible experience for, for us as a family. Um, but we, we've always persevered. We've always made it through. And um, the only known cure for that disease, which is called Rasmussen's encephalitis, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a cure because they're still trying to figure it out. Or it's not a cure. It's a, uh, it's a treatment. But it's basically a hemispherectomy. It's where you remove the entire half of their brain yeah. And if you have to kind of choose, you'd want it to be on the right side of the brain because the left side is where all your language is stored. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, luckily the silver lining was it was on his right side. So it didn't affect him, you know, cognitively and with his speech. It was just he's left with motor difficulties on his left side. He's uh, hemiplegic is what it's called. It's partially paralyzed on his uh, his left side of his left arm and his left leg. But it, honestly, if you saw this kid, you wouldn't even think there's anything the matter with him. He's no, absolutely such, an, such an inspiration. Yeah, Jackson does doesn't let anything uh, uh, get in his way. He just does. He just does uh, uh, what just does what he wants. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they said I would have been in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And you're walking yeah, around. They, and He's I never said, no. used that wheelchair. Not even. Did actually, have a wheelchair. No, we did when he first came <clears> home. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, I never seen. <laughs> I never seen that. We had one, but then we gave it to somebody that yeah. actually needed it, and yeah. then. 
Yeah, because me and Jackson used to go like walks around the shop when I would hang out all day on a Saturday. Yeah. He would ask me questions. Mm-hmm. Very inquisitive young boy. I yes. Great, great. Always at, wants to know what I'm having for dinner. Always. <laughs> great at Always coming curious. up with questions. <laughs> so back, I uh, just want to finish off that. Um, so we just kind of hang, started hanging out, and um, and then you know, and then of course I'm, you know, I could help him move stuff. You know, it always helps to have someone that can move. And I want to mention also when he came here with all his records. He's you guys are living in the same complex he came in. He had his records like you see your stuff up here, uh-huh. lined. Boxes, double stacks. Oh, that's wow. where he kept the records up yeah. here. So if you're, I mean, you're not in Bobby's apartment, but up on the top of there's like a space, and he had he had a yeah, there's kind of like up a there. he had a white poster board or something to cover him up. It was kind of just kind of stashed them, you know. Here's oh, here's a closet. Let's throw a few boxes in here. But since yeah. then, we have, as he said, we moved away from the flea market, got a nice space, and uh, I want to say adjacent to downtown, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got a nice room now for his games. Knock on wood, and um, we got you know. If you guys have never been down the, rec- I mean, if you're curious, I mean, you don't have to be a record collector. If you like music, if you like CDs, you like tapes. Hell, we've had eight tracks in the store before. VHSs. Like if you like movies, yeah. You like toys. We're gonna be doing toys very soon. If you're a fan uh, of modern technology, maybe don't show up. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're like we're like we'll get the VCR out and we'll play some movies. Yeah. DVD. What's that? You definitely walk into a blast to the past. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Even the even Jackson's. Um, Stack machine does it's not take dollars. It only takes <laughs> it only takes coin. So yeah, I found that out when I got a bag of chips in there. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. The full yeah. retro experience when you come to Iconic okay. Records. So bring your bring your pocket full of quarters because you're going to need them. Yeah, <laughs> like we say, it's more than a record store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least you don't have to like uh, use those old card machines where you have to like swipe the. However, they used to do it in the nineties. Oh, I know, right? Like card oh, readers. don't start me on cards. <laughs> this guy. No, he's talking about credit cards. We have to yeah, swipe the receipts. He was mm-hmm. only cash when he first started. He was only. And the funny thing is, at the flea market, there's no ATM at the flea market. Mm-hmm. There's a flea market down the road, but you can't turn around as a one-way road. So literally, to get money, you had to go to the ATM machine, go to the next exit, drive the racetrack, drive the racetrack, come all the way down to the initial exit, turn around. Just to get to his, and finally, uh, he finally got a uh, was able to read cards. But yeah, that's, he's stepping stones. You know what I'm saying? We got a. It was funny. Yeah. He would only take cash, and I was like, hey, yeah. "You should take cards." You guys, everyone's using cards now. Like, yeah, the now we don't have cash in the house store. And we yeah. used to take cards. <laughs> Uh, the first record store day I ever went to, I bought the the uh, Ramon single collection. Oh, that's right. Yeah, in a cigar box, and it was like a hundred and something dollars. So I had to like go to the ATM, <laughs> pull out that cash. We appreciate your patronage, Bobby. Yes. Okay, moving on to music news. So this week in music news, three men, including the curator of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, have been arrested for allegedly possessing over one million dollars worth of stolen handwritten notes and lyrics by the Eagles' Don Henley. So my question to you guys is, who the hell would want to know the lyrics to an Eagles song that badly? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I mean, okay, I get it. Don Henley's alive. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, has he been? What's the word I'm looking for? Like noteworthy in the past you know since he was in his it, i mean his is um i know he still does um solo work yeah he still does solo work but yeah. i mean i don't think it's anything since 91 the, i mean the end, eagles are the innocence was his last like big album that i remember by him and then that was mm-hmm. then yeah. the eagles kind of got to back together and then uh what's his name died um glenn fry i don't glenn I fry. know nothing of the eagles glenn fry was other than my singer. dad loves well, it he was the singer of the eagles he died and someone else i don't remember it but yeah that's 
Did you say three months? Three... $1 million worth of stolen handwritten notes. I mean, hmm. I, I would say that's, I would find someone better. Maybe like <laughs> Billie Eilish notes or something. I don't know. Or, or Prince no, or someone who has someone you know, that's extensive. Someone that's got a little more cool than Don Henley. No offense to Don Henley. I mean, I think the best selling record of all time is the Eagles' greatest hits. It is, it's up there with... Um, Michael Jackson thriller. Yeah, thriller for sure. Michael Jackson thriller, I think, is number. Last time I saw it on Rolling Stone, it said Michael Jackson's thriller I think was in number America, two. America, the Eagles were number one. They, but in worldwide, of course, Michael Jackson. Yeah, and but, then it's like ACDC and then Shania Twain or something like that. Random. Kind of it's like Shania Twain was like number four, but you gotta realize also the world that we're getting off subject here. But, um, <laughs> no, yeah. this is what music news is supposed to do. Yeah, Don Henley, I don't think he's done worthy. I mean, I don't. You're, you don't really listen to the Eagles. I mean, I, I like the Eagles, of course. I know the big hits, but I'm not having delved so much into them that I would steal a million dollars, you know, commit, commit a felony over yeah. Don Henley yeah. lyrics. And the curator of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, too, was part of this crew. So it was an inside job. It was, it was a gonna, heist. Were they going to yeah. make a display there for Don or the Eagles? Or I mean, what? I assume yeah. they had a display there already. I, was, I, I would think the Eagles, they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, if I'm not... Are they? Mistaken. I mean, yeah, I, I assume they are based on this statement, but you don't have to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to be part of the museum, though. Unless they're doing some, maybe Don Henley is going to be a solo act. I don't think he's in as a solo act. Maybe it's all publicity for their new upcoming series on Netflix. You know, the, the I, I was going to say this would, I would watch, <laughs> it's like I watch Kilmer, this. Discovering Don Henley, yeah. you know, what's he doing now? I'd watch this as a movie, but I would want it to be about a different person other than the Eagles. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> someone of noteworthiness now. Like, I don't know, like I yeah. said, somebody that's famous now I know Cardi B I don't know <laughs> yeah. all I know is I had a rough night and I hate the fucking Eagles, oh, man, Eagles. You just you had to when I think of the Eagles I think of Urban Cowboy have you ever seen Urban Cowboy it's a John no. Travolta mm-hmm. He's, it's, a, it's a country movie but a lot of the songs in there are about the Eagles so nice. whenever I hear the Eagles I think of country music um, when I think of that country music it's not my favorite brand I mean I like some of it I'll get to mm-hmm. that later too but it just reminds me, of, and a lot of people, you know, they put them in classic rock, and it's like I don't really think they're classic rock. Dave's more of a Marty Robbins kind of guy. I'm actually wondering if that's going to be on his uh, his list. Maybe I don't know. You know, it could be Johnny Cash. Maybe <laughs> something. Uh, so speaking of which, uh, today's this week's topic is the top five records in our collection. So I we talked about this last week when we were talking about doing the podcast, and the criteria I, the criteria I said was studio albums. No compilations, no live albums, no soundtracks. Not necessarily the most valuable albums in our collection, but the ones that mean the most to us. But ultimately, as long as you follow the the, the previous, it's just like whatever you want to say is your top five. Okay. I so, totally forgot about the soundtrack. So luckily I brought backups. <laughs> I had one, but I'll talk about that one too. Well, you know, yeah, oh, I saw, I saw, I did see did a soundtrack. See it? Okay, yeah. so. I didn't say anything at the time, but I was like, eh. That, she said, I was like, that's why I brought, that's why I have my backups. Yeah. We're good. So yeah, we all did bring our, our top five picks and I guess you guys brought extras with uh, with us today. So we're going to start with me and we're just going to go uh, round robin. So we're going to start with let's number see, five. Let's see what's in the magic bag over here. Start with what our, you got from uh, our number Record five picks. So the number five pick I had is not a record I got at Iconic Records. But when I was looking oh, at it. Oh, blasphemy. Blasphemy. <laughs> But when I was looking at my collection today, I can't—I haven't listened to the... So it's uh, Ben Quiller, uh, Go Fly a Kite. Okay. And Ben Quiller uh, is kind of like a famous indie artist. He hasn't had much like commercial success. But the reason why I picked this, because I have... I don't really see this record much 
like being like reproduced. Uh, this is one of the first albums I got before I found uh, Iconic Records, and I believe I bought this at Barnes and Noble. But I just thought it was really cool because you know the packaging. You don't really see uh, this much care in packaging because it folds out into like a display. You have a video of it, but yeah, it's got like four panels. Yeah, uh, four panels. Pull out. Make a nice That's collage. Cool. Kind of reminds me of the Isaac Hayes uh, yes. Moses album. Moses album, yeah, it does. Yeah, so oh, cool. it has uh, a booklet, which no records today really come. Does that say booklets. instruction manual on it? Yeah, it's an instruction instruction manual on <laughs> That's it. That's so cool. On how to fly a kite. Maybe let's see. <laughs> open that up. It probably is. Oh, so it's an instruction manual, I guess. Oh, so it actually has. Like, not only is it a lyric sheet, but also has the chords in it, too. Wow. Again, I have not... I put this on my top now, five. I have not listened to this album. What are we going to hear now? This next live he's going to play. This is a little Bill Quiller song. Right <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, somehow I learned this magically. So, yeah. That's, that's actually, that's actually yeah, really that's, cool. Yeah. I must say So, that's, that's, that's why I put it in my top five, because it has... It, oh, you can yeah. make a box out of it. So, yeah. So, the, the album itself folds out into a diorama. That is cool. I must admit. And see, that's one good thing about records is, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you have to have a record player, but I mean, look at the, I mean, to the packaging. I mean, yeah. to be sitting there and listen to your record mm-hmm. and open this and read it and you get pull this out, you didn't even know that was in there. It's got a CD too. Yeah, it's it. got a CD in there too. So I'm going to put that I mean, in the car later. You're going to get this, nice. most of the times you get the CD too. It's like, why not, you know, yeah, I miss everyone's when got they, a car, you know. I miss when they put CDs in there. I must admit, but that's that's cool. I must they don't admit. even put like digital download codes. I did check it earlier. I'm not gonna pull it out, but it's just plain black black vinyl. But still, it's it's a really good album. Uh, I haven't listened to Bed and Quiller in a while, but did you I mention really the title like of it? This. Yeah, go. Uh, I'll do it again. Go fly a kite. Okay. And it has some really good songs in there. I know. Mean to me, the title track on it is really good. Uh, I think for Record Store Day, didn't he have his first album come out? There yeah. was brushes, a He's brushing his teeth. He has that. Uh, yeah, what a weird Lala something like something that. Something like that. Okay, we had it. Mm-hmm. Maybe he bought it. I don't know. I didn't buy it. Uh, it was already gone by the time I I got got to it. Let's see, Ben Well, no, that was yeah, Shasha. That's Shasha. that was the album. I really the reason why I bought this album because I really like Shasha, but it was out of print at the time, and, and I was just not, like, how can you not miss this in the beginning? It's got a chord, right? Is that the first chord? What is yeah. that? I don't read music, so what is that? That's an E chord. That's the E chord. So e major. The E chord is actually on the on the on the front cover. Yeah. So it's a really good album. Uh, he's a really good indie artist. He hasn't really put out anything recently. I don't think At so. least not that I'm aware not of. Not that I'm aware of. Either. So that is my number five pick is Ben Quiller, Go Very Fly nice. Kite. Justin Yet. Yeah. Alright, boss man, what you got? Alright, so when I heard about this challenge, uh, it was it's it's a very difficult question because you say, okay, what's your favorite record? There's a lot of things that you can, you know, choose as to what makes it your favorite. Is it the most valuable? Is it something that's, you know, the most rare? Um, there's a hundred different ways you can look at it. I approach this as like, if I, cause if I was only able to listen to five albums for the rest of my life, which ones would I choose? Which ones could I never get sick of? Mm-hmm. Which ones would I want to listen to? I mean, I've listened to all these albums over and over again, but I would still listen to them till the end of time. So I don't really have, I didn't really rank them, but I do have some some really cool ones. And uh, I'm going to start here with, um, this is a band called La Dispute. Nice. Um, 
So it's uh, <laughs> you're not sure. There's no camera. You have to show anything. <laughs> no, no, I'm not showing. It. I'm just I'm reading reading my notes here. Oh, NSR zero one two on a purple translucent with a side four etching, limited to a thousand copies. This album came out in two thousand eight. This was a twenty fourteen reissue. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, what I love about this album is this came out in two thousand eight. Like it it missed you know it slipped my radar. I should have been a part of this album when it came out. Mm-hmm. What's the title and, again? I think you said the title. Um, at the it's the, one of the longest titles. <laughs> uh, somewhere at the bottom of the river between Vega and Alatar. So I was looking at the audio interface. Who's the ba- who's the band? Or La, La, Dispute. La, La Dispute. Dispute. I don't think I've ever heard of them. There's nobody like them. Um, it's it's definitely post hardcore. Uh, okay. It's definitely spoken word. Um, there's so many like lyrics to this because the way it is, um, this band is from um, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And the kid grew up in a, in a pretty, you know, I, I don't know how wealthy he was, but his parents owned a, uh, a hardware store and, and he had a lot of, uh, he was very fortunate, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But as, you know, as an angsty teen, he had all this, this stuff in his head and he wanted to like know about suffering and, and know why people went through things and what, cha- like, what was the thing that hurt you the most that changed you as a person in the future? So mm-hmm. this whole album, it is like a fictional story about like a broken marriage, about a divorce, about problems in, in being, you know, in, in life. And it's just so deep. It's so poetic. It's so heavy and passionate. And um, and what makes them so unique is there's there's no choruses. Like it's not one of those albums that has a hook. Like yeah. you need to, it's like a theater for, you know, a theatrical performance for your ears. Like you're paying attention to every word and every song and that's one reason why I can listen to this over and over and over because you're going to pick up new parts new metaphors new you know oh that was a connection from the other song like it's super brilliant and I really really enjoy it so that uh, definitely is um, you know one album that I would never get sick of listening to nice nicely done dude yeah. you should talk about the one you have in your store right now Oh, a lot of spew. Um, Rooms of the House is for sale right now at Iconic Records. And that's a two two four North Campo. That is their third album. So, and it's a it's describe that one just in a little bit because that's what the, that's what got me into it. You got me into that album. Yeah, Rooms of the House um, really kind of takes. It's another. It's another stages, right? It's stages. Yeah, it's it's another uh, breakdown of a relationship and rooms of the house meaning like every room has a certain energy to it if there's people who live in this house you know there's memories attached to those rooms and there's different stories and different um experiences throughout everyone's lives who's lived in that house mm-hmm. you know so that's just another way it's kind of um it's it's not as aggressive as as this first one um but it's definitely super poetic they, a lot of speak really wants to make you feel uncomfortable okay <laughs> they they really do they're, they're going to talk about subject matters that are that are tough and that are challenging and they tackle it and they do a hell of a good job at it so okay nice uh jackson what do you have uh let's see i got the aquabats oh yeah the oh, fury nice. of the aquabats Ooh. yeah the fury of the aquabats is one of my favorites I know I watched the show when I was younger mm-hmm. when it came out, the Aquabats. You familiar the with show. the Aquabats, Bobby? Uh, I know of them, but I've never really listened to them. I know they're kind of like a ska band, and Travis Barker was was in the band before he joined Blink-182. 
Oh wow! I see. I, I learned something new on Bobby Westside's Vinyl and Coffee. Yeah, he, had, he went under a different name because they all go under uh, pseudonyms. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he that was they were touring. I, I think it was on Warped Tour. They were on some tour together, and they kicked out their former drummer. And then Travis came on stage, and then he jumped to that band, hmm. which you know, fortunate for him because that just made his career. So if it wasn't for the him being in the Aquabats, uh, Blink One Eighty Two wouldn't probably wouldn't be as successful as they are. Damn, that's super fascinating. I actually didn't know yeah, that. I didn't know yeah. that either. So I'm sorry, Jackson. Continue. Well, no, I just really like this album because I know a lot of songs on here, and what's your favorite song cool. on the album? My favorite song has to be uh, "Super Rad." Is the first song, and I really like that one. Do you Do you remember what used to happen at the record store on "Super Rad"? Dave knows. I'm Dave, Dave knows. Yeah. I know this. Go. What happened? We uh. Where where do we always hear this, Jackson? When we when we when we were there, where do we always? We didn't have the vinyl. We had what? A CD. And why would we always have the CD? Would always. Remember, uh, it was always stuck in the first. It was stuck it, it in was the, first, the one. first one. So it always. We'd always hear that song. Whenever we like, we throw a CD in there, and always the next CD had to be the Aquabats. And oh. it so it's how we did machine? it. It was. I don't want to yeah, say we, stuck. Yeah, we. I mean, of course, we played records at the record store, but we had a nice big, you know, multi-disc CD player, and, and we'd play music. <laughs> that was disc one. And that was disc one. And it would always come in so hot with just like a super loud trumpet, uh-huh. and um, it was. I guess it was mixed a lot louder than the previous CD that was in there. Mm-hmm. So the CD would end, and all of a sudden, bum bum, like, and it would like just woke you up. Yeah, that's turn it down, turn it down. Like, Aquabats are on. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Every time, man. Every time. That's a good pick, Jack. I like that yeah. one. Yeah. I, I, that's, a, that, that's my memory of it. It's like when, when I go there, because, you know, the record play out. Like, oh, let's, you know, we always want to have music going on, even if it's the radio. So mm-hmm. we always put the CD on, and that was always the first one. <laughs> always. That's and I believe this one is on uh, yellow, yeah. yellow vinyl. They finally reissued yeah. that, because it was only available on CD, if I recall correctly. But mm-hmm. yeah. Came out in 1997. This one's a 2017. He bought like yeah, so they six copies for the store and he sold them all. Mm-hmm. Sold them all. Nice. Yeah. I remember that being there and I just never got it. No, I should have got it. Because, I didn't, like I said, I'm not a, the biggest Aquabat fan. It reminds fan. me of like, which is a record that it's on my, that's on my whale list is Real Big Fish. Oh, yeah. Impossible Same. record to find. Impossible. Because every time they reissue it, what happens? It goes up to like $200 a price, so. Okay. Right, we up to me now? Yep, Dave. Well, I'm a little more mainstream than these guys, but my first number five is You Know How to Be a Tribe called Quest. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So this is their first one of People's Instinctive Travels in the Paths of Rhythm. So I'm going to say, oh, God, early 90s. Um, I think MTV finally came on the regular cable. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was mostly you had to pay for it, and that was on regular cable. Yeah, I actually yeah. listened to a podcast where they talked about the early MTV. It was so, on like two stations when it, it first came out. I mean, that's why I love about TV. Or two The videos, uh, I mean, I mean the 80s was, you know, the first video was Video Kill the Radio Star. And I remember watching that first hour. Like, I met, we got it on, we got it on pay, pay-per-view cable, I think is what it was, MTV, really way back. Oh, uh, okay. But they, they, probably, they finally put a regular cable. And then um, a show came out called Yo MTV Raps. I don't know if you guys ever remember that show. Had Ed Dre, Ed, Ed Lover, Dr. Dre, not the Dr. Dre from uh, uh, NWA, but he was a big guy. They were in a movie called Who's the Man? I'm going off. And then they had, to hit the table. And then they had Fab Five Freddy, who was there on. He was actually in the Blondie song, remember um, Rapture? 
Fat Five Freddy's and everybody smiled. No, I don't. I don't think I know that song. He was, I believe, a street artist or something like a like a what do you call it, the graffiti artist or something. But they they did the show and it was like a half an hour. They played all these these hip hop videos and one of the first ones they did was the Tribe Called Quest. And I don't know if you've ever. I know you guys here have heard of them, but it was like a mixture of jazz and you know hip hop beats. I mean, just some of the songs on here. Um, I left my wallet in El Segundo. Everyone knows Benita Applebone. You gotta put me on Benita mm-hmm. Applebone. Can I kick it? Oh, I, I know that song. song. Can I kick yeah. it? Yes, that was on a, yes, That can. was the song, the soundtrack for Tony Pro Skater One. Yeah, and they sampled mm-hmm. who they or sampled. Or two, one of them. No, no, no. They sampled. It's, you want to get the records, Lou Reed. Remember? Oh yeah, Lou Reed. Walk on the wild side. Yeah, Lou Reed. I was like, this is so. This kind of got me into into hip hop. This, I mean. Their first three albums, I could have picked either, any one of the first three albums. It was very before its time, right? Because it was very yeah, like... It was... Yeah, when you're, when you're thinking of hip-hop, you know, you, you know, I think at the same time NWA was hitting out in the West Coast. And yeah. Something like that. But this was just like, just, you sit down and just, you, literally, if you didn't if you didn't bounce your head or vibe to it, like when we put mm-hmm. this on the store, everyone just kind of, you know, just, just, and they move your head because it just makes you bob your head. So. I still feel like it's like it's a sleeper kind of band. Like not a lot of people. It's crazy how they are because they had um, their first three albums, which and this one didn't have a lot of uh, Fife Dog on it. He really came to life on the Low End Theory, the second mm-hmm. one. But you know, did you know that they finally fulfilled their record after thirty years or something when they mm-hmm. put out their last record? They had a, they had a record deal with Jive for mm-hmm. five albums, and they made four, and then they broke up. Oh, okay. So they, oh. held, they, they held them they to it. They were still under contract, and they, their last one was uh, right before Fife passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for your service. And they finally finished. The, of course, of course um, Q-Tip did his own solo stuff, and Fife did too. Mohammed actually is doing stuff now with a label called Jazz is Dead, which you guys might want to check out. So what kind of pressing are you rocking? I can only imagine it's, it's an original. It's an yeah. OG. With the OG and the original. With the hype sticker, I can see right hype there. Sticker on it. Yeah, like, I got this from a... When, it, when did it come out? This is, I believe, 91, if I recall correctly. Oh, so, you, okay, so you got it in 91. No, I didn't get it in 91. Oh, you didn't get it in 91? I got it much like, because uh, I got it from a store in, in New York. A lot of my original hip-hop is from this 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 place. I got a bunch of white, you know, white label promos and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like this one and Midnight Marauders, all my Beastie Boys' first four were all original presses, too. Oh, nice. So I, just, I got lucky. I found, like, this place on... The computer and they always. Like, oh, hey, yeah, I just want to mention that uh, that brings up um, something I want to bring up with um, how he found a lot of those hip hop albums in New York. I think it's really interesting with with record stores geographically when you go into different record stores, different parts of the country. There's they're going to be different hotspots. Like if you go to you know Nashville, Tennessee, there's going to be tons of you know really rare like rockabilly and uh, you know honky tonk and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, New York City is where all that stuff took place. So it only makes sense that that stuff basically lives in that area of the country. Of course, everything had now was you know all over the place. But back then, you were just kind of limited to what was in the community. No, absolutely, yeah. Especially New York was that that was the hotspot. But like I said, NWA in the West was starting to come out. Mm-hmm. And then what about what six years later is when we had the whole yeah you know, East Coast West Coast thing. So, but this was before all that. Everyone was everyone was love. I guess is the word back then. Have you ever seen any like old like 
New Mexico made from like New Mexico uh, bands vinyl. Has that stuff ever come through the shop? Oh yeah. If you want to do like a New Mexico, you know, 45 kind of thing. I've always had this idea of doing um, the psychedelic sounds of the Southwest sixties and mm-hmm. it would be, you know, bands from Albuquerque and I mean, Buddy Holly recorded up in, uh, up in Clovis, oh, I didn't um, know that. you know, so there's New Mexico, Jimmy Gilmore and the fireballs. Um, they were from New Mexico and um, I have a really cool 45 from a band called the outer limits which I found at a thrift store for 50 cents. It's on Gold Dust Records, which is a record label. Still, I, I believe it's still operating in Las Cruces from um, Emmett Rhodes. He was in the Aggie Ramblers. He's a you know he's an older gentleman, but he's recorded 60s bands. You know these teenagers that would come into Gold Dust Records. They're still mm-hmm. the address is like um, on Idaho. I guess I know they, exactly where that building is. Yeah, so. oh, do you? I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. You might have to go down there I know sometime. Bill's been wanting to get in there and, and pick his brain and see if he has any master tapes or anything mm-hmm. because, like I said, he's probably in his 80s, close to 90s, so we got to preserve that history. No, yeah. absolutely. We had a, we found a record uh, that was signed by him. We did, yeah. We, found a, we went to a state sale, and literally the only record, the only record we mm-hmm. picked up was the Ramblers one, right? It, it's so funny. It, did it was it. signed, yeah. It was signed by all five members. All five They're members. at White Sands as all five signatures. And I'm like, this is such an amazing album, but I don't know who's going to buy this. I don't know. It's hard to put a price on it because it's not an album that people know. And if yeah. you go to Discogs, it's probably worth like four bucks. But mm-hmm. it's like, it's signed by all the bands. So, you know, we kind of, you know, we set a high price and we put it up there because it was a beautiful album. And then it was like two weeks later, somebody walked in. Hey, do you guys have any New Mexico artists? I'm looking for like a gift or somebody. I'm like, oh, psh. <laughs> Aggie Ramblers, all five signatures. And they all will take it. So that, that was a fun moment that day. Nice, because there is a record. Some Any record that comes to the shop, there's someone who wants to buy it. You just have to find that person. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So Dave, what except is... Except for Kids Bop. Oh, no, except for Kids Bop. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone did buy it, though. How long, though? And we brought, and we dropped the bright. Well, that's a different story. Kids Bop Christmas. Uh, those probably record store day twenty sixteen or something. I don't know. It was Kids Bop on vinyl. We still have a few, you know, leftovers from Jersey that sit around the store, but for the most part, everything goes pretty quickly. Everything finds its way. We're like a record orphanage, and they all <laughs> they all find their home eventually. So, Dave, what is your next pick? I could go with another hip hop, but I'm gonna switch it up a little bit. So, this was actually the first record I ever bought. Okay. Uh, so, how old were you when you bought my, that? Oh man, um, my parents had an old uh, record player. And I think I finally got my first, you know, money. I was, I was going around our neighborhood here in Las Cruces. I was collecting newspapers and turning them in and like recycling them in cans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I got my. It, it wasn't on vinyl, but this has meaning because it was one of the, when I finally started get back. This is one of the first ones I bought on vinyl, and it. This comes from another one, MTV. I've watched a lot of MTV. I loved watching it. This was Headbanger's Ball. Yeah. So this is Rat out of the cellar. Nice. Oh, nice. Right. Is that the one with Round and Round on it? Mm-hmm. And Tawny Katane on the front. That is Tawny Katane. Is it always the know? same girl on each album? No. Because the, the first two was Tawny because she was dating Robin Crosby, mm-hmm. who was the guitarist for Rat at the time. She broke up and went with David Coverdale. What was the one That's where... Right. I was trying to remember who she married. Mm-hmm. Did they marry... I don't know if they, they were going to Okay. I don't Yeah, but. What's the album where uh, she's in the bedroom and there's like the curtain? Invasion of Your Privacy. Is that her on the cut? No, it's not her. So a different model, I guess. Different girl. So the first EP, I guess you call it, you've seen it, it's just a leg. Mm-hmm. That was Tony Katane's leg. And <laughs> Shout out to Kanye Katane's leg. Yeah, I know. A few of the songs <laughs> from that 
made it on this record. Okay. But no, this was like, you know, I'm not going to say I was, I'm a metalhead at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Slayer is probably as heavy as I go. Pantera maybe. I mean, that's still pretty heavy. But I loved 80s hair metal. I was just, it was just. Well, hooked. yeah, you grew up with it. Of right. that it generation, Big Dave. Mm-hmm. It was it was hooks, hooks. Everything was around. You could sing every. It's okay to like a pop song. I like pop song music yeah. now. You know, I like I like Lizzo. I like Lizzo. Uh, I like. You know, We're I'm not listening. snobs here on Bobby Westside's Vinyl and Coffee. So, it used to be a point where I didn't like listen to. You know, there's some music I still, you know, to this day I'm like, oh god, no, you know, like, I don't want to listen Dante. to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's another podcast here. Right there. But yeah, Rat Out of the Cellar, one of my first CDs. I think first tape I bought was this, and then the first, you know, one of the first uh-huh. vinyl. Like, I mean, I had I had hip hop vinyl, but I was like, oh, I gotta get this on vinyl. It's gonna sound amazing. So. Yeah, right. I'll sell her. Yeah, we see that we see that one every now and then in the store, but it never lasts more than a week. I'm gonna say '83. I can't read. I, I have my glasses on. Okay. I can't remember what year it's. It's, right, it's in the black area there, but yeah, rat. You know, round and rounds on there. '84. '84. Back from Mora's on here. Lack of communication is one of my favorite. Wanted man. Mm-hmm. It just all of them are just that you know sleazy '80. You know. Yeah. They came from the. Um, what's that? The in L.A. Uh, yeah, Sunset Strip. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I only know the one song from Rats, but I am not a snob. Rat is a Rat is a great brand. Mm-hmm. That one. Some of the later stuff gets a little. You know, they, funny thing is, he's still uh, Stephen Piercy is still touring with Rat. I'm not gonna say because I know Warren D. Martini is Rat in air quotes. Juan Crozier is still alive. Bobby Blotzer. Uh-huh. Of course, Rob Crosby died. He died of a drug overdose, but. I didn't know that. It's always right. sad to hear that. And it, well, yeah, he, he, led, he led lifestyle, I'd say that. <laughs> okay, Jackson, what is your next pick? Uh, my next pick is a Streetlight Manifesto. Oh, another ska band. Yeah, I love ska. Um, 90s are coming back with the younger generation. Jackson's 13. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I like the album called Everything Goes Numb. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, what year is that one from, Jackson? 2003, actually. And it, uh... Good year. really is. I feel like you can never be in a bad mood when you listen to Scott. Scott. No, yeah, you can't, because really. even if the song is depressing, it, <laughs> it has, like, a very upbeat tempo to it. Oh, there, there are some very unique, you know, lyrical, um, you know, things on this album that are very dark, uh-huh. and you're kind of singing along, and it's just so happy. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of really cool juxtaposition yeah one of my favorite ska bands from the 90s are the suicide machines okay yeah so you know and and their songs are you know upbeat with sad lyrics and just the the fact that they're named the suicide machines that just shows that a a juxtaposition where scott scott is very upbeat and fast Mm -hmm. uh and how you dance to scott like you can't be sad while doing those movements skanking yeah backwards too jackson kind of went backwards because this is a newer one he's he was begging me to get some madness record I'm sorry, what? Madness. I saw that one, mm-hmm. but it was a Madness Greatest Hits. Do you know like, Madness is? No. Look, remember Our House? Our House. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that, they're kind of a Scottish band, and he, I was playing a record, and he's like, oh my God, I love this. And, you know, then, I didn't really know he knew this band. So mm-hmm. So this was a Scott band that that I grew up with in high school, and uh, it makes me such a proud father, this kid picking, you know, Aquabats and Street yeah. Manifesto, because it's one of those that I've kind of drilled in his head over the years every yeah. time we go uh, on road trips. 
you gotta put on everything goes numb you gotta mm-hmm. sing along you I gotta... mean seeing you two makes me want to have a, yeah. have kids so I'm like oh is that what a, what a family is just you have a mini me who yeah. can show all the stuff that you liked as a kid and then they'll carry on that and then you get to play with all the toys and games that you didn't get to when you were a kid yeah that's great yeah because we were talking before the podcast about Resident Evil 4 because Jackson made me buy Resident Evil 4 because you suggested it to him yeah so I suggested it to them oh you suggested it to them okay falsehood <laughs> I grew up with Resident Evil. Resident Evil 4 was one of those games that like I just couldn't never finish. Like I played it, I got so stuck, mm-hmm. and it was one I was like, ah, screw this. Then I just grew up and, and never and played it. And then we got it. past one part, you are stuck out first try. First try, yeah. I was stuck <laughs> at this play. It was like 17 years I've had this personal vendetta with this game. And uh, we're looking for a new game on the Switch, and I'm like, oh my god, there it is. Uh, and he just took it to it. like, and, and now we're playing Resident Evil 5. We've played you know, all of them, so yeah. we're... That's definitely a lot of a lot of fun for us. But yeah, you you're playing it right now, right? Yeah, I'm playing Resident Evil Four. I haven't gone past much of it. I was, I was telling you before that uh, I was playing it like an action adventure game because those are the ones that I mostly play nowadays. Mm-hmm. So I'm used to like killing all the uh, bad uh, bad guys or the obstacles in your way, then progressing. Then I remembered it was a survival game, and no, you just have to get past them. You don't <laughs> have to destroy them all to get to move on to progress. So once I figured that out, I was like, oh, so that's why I keep dying because you're not supposed to get past them. Yeah, at least. Or you're supposed to get past them. Not you're not supposed to kill them all. They drop ammo and grenades too if you do kill them. Yeah. yeah. So once we get a little bit further, you get more ammo. You can definitely have some more fun. But yeah, that first part is brutal. Yeah. yeah. Anybody, anybody listening to this is going to know that 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 first part yeah. is definitely the hardest of the game because yeah. it's it's categorized as a survival game. So that's the point. You're supposed to survive. It's a it's a horror franchise. So you're you're supposed to get nervous and feel like you're watching a horror movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The chainsaw guy chopping off your head. Exactly. Ooh, Chopped you know, up a head every there. single time. Oh, he did get there. Yeah, I got there. <laughs> yeah. So what is your next pick, All right, boss, Justin? What you got? All right, so this next record, um, sticking with bands who don't believe in choruses, uh, this is Gatsby's American Dream. Gatsby's American Dream, Ribbons and Sugar from 2003. This was limited to 206 copies. This particular variant, it's a uh, pink and blue marble, and it's actually mastered at a 45 speed, which I love because. If you, you know, you get into, you know, records, every record is kind of mixed differently. Every record has a different sound signature, you know, but when it's pressed at a 45 speed, it really amps up the fidelity of it. The Mm -hmm. record spins faster and there's some science to it, which I'm not going to admit that I, that I know, but yeah, this album, man, um, I found this band when I was working at Blockbuster and, um, I had a, a manager who was a real big, you know, music buff and for his Christmas gifts to everybody, he made them all mix CDs. I think you'll like this. I think you'll like this. I think you'll oh, like this. Oh, that's really cool. I like that. Yeah. And I would, that would be like my favorite boss ever if that's... Well, there, you should do that for your friends. You know, Here, here's a mixtape, you know? You know, that's actually a good idea. I think I know what I'm going to get them for Christmas. Guys, don't forget this by December. <laughs> and uh, it was really cool because the CD was a vinyl. It was one of those special CDs mm-hmm. that like the, you know, the cover of the, or the actual CD itself looked like a record. Oh, like the Fall Out Boy album did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and this band, Gatsby's American Dream, they're uh, from Seattle, Washington. Um, they were. I've never seen you talk about this. I, I want to see this. It's here. one of my. It's one of my my favorite never bands. Never talked about this ever. So yeah. they were really like like music nerds. They were really into books mm-hmm. and 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 poetry and all that. This whole album is about Animal Farm. So okay, the, the novel by yes, what's his face. George Orwell, I believe. I don't know. Oh, yeah. 
I like that. They actually put down this is a first press. Like a, mm-hmm. there's a whole there's a controversy right now with MoFi Records about labeling their records that they use digital. Did you know that? They use you digital. told me that this weekend. Yeah. This is something they were thinking. They, it's called the it's called the Neil Young on Neil, every Neil Young project. He puts down exactly what your what it is it's analyzed, this this this. I like the fact they're putting down that to first. I don't know if you want to see. And that. that's actually autographed by two by, by two too. members of the band, which is also really cool. And uh, and what makes that that band so great is like when you listen to that album from front to back, like is it good, Jack? You hear yeah, this really one? Good. It's it, it tackles a lot of like difficult issues, like the plight of the working man, um, you know, like socialism. Like, is it good? Is it bad? Who wins? Who loses? Obviously, if you've seen Animal Crossing or <laughs> Animal Crossing, <laughs> Animal if you've Farm. seen if you've seen Animal Farm, like you know, at the end, like uh-huh. like the pigs are walking. They're the ones who are setting all the rules, but they're the ones not following the rules. So it's very smart. And again, musically and lyrically, there's no choruses. There's no, um, and that's that's what made them so difficult to like sign on to major labels is because mm-hmm. they had such a unique sounds. Not a lot of labels were into that type of of thing you know Mm. so it's like a breakdown into a breakdown into a slow part into a punk part and um and yeah again it's for me looking at albums that i can never get sick of i have very you know fond memories of just in my car dissecting every word listening to it again listening to the time signatures you know what what's the drummer playing what's the bass player doing and uh yes that was kind of a big one in my in my teen years do they have music videos they did. They okay. uh, for their their other album, which was uh, called Volcano, which is a, another concept album about the city of Pompeii, which got destroyed by a volcano back in X Something amount of BC. AD or BC. Yeah, yeah. and um, so that's another another. All their albums are, are so smart and, and different. Mm-hmm. But I definitely recommend you check them out. Yeah, because I've I've heard of the band before. I don't remember listening to them, but I know the name, so I got to assume that I saw them. I saw a music video on MTV Two sometime growing up yeah if i had to describe it as anything it's it's similar to say very early panic of the disco the fever you can't sweat out oh yeah where Mm -hmm. it's like very super upbeat really interesting lyrics really fast lyrics um but they just got the notoriety they kind of attached themselves to that sound and gatsby's american dream never really went i never heard of anywhere really i never talked about them that's that's why now i gotta like you you get me into the bands like you know Hawthorne Heights and stuff like this. I never. Now I gotta go home and check this out. Yeah. And you're talking about Gatsby last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the, a, the, the Gatsby I mean, scooter. The Gatsby scooter. Have you seen the Gatsby scooter? No, I haven't. Check it out later. You got. You got to check sick. it out. It's the weird. It's like a wheelchair for. That's. Again, yeah, try not to hit the table so much. Oh, sorry. I'm excited. <laughs> sorry, sir. No, it's it's perfectly fine. It's just because uh, Justin's microphone is actually on the table, so you can like hear you it. Hold like this. Yeah. <laughs> I should have maybe like, I should like have a, gave like a, you headphones too. Yeah, I know maybe. <laughs> so you'd know what you were Sorry. doing. Got okay, me. so my next pick is uh Hyam's Days Are Gone. So Hyam are three sisters uh from the Valley area in Los Angeles. I discovered this band first on uh VH1 back in college because the the apartment I was living at the time uh, had cable. It's the only time I've ever had cable as an adult, uh living on my own. And I absolutely love this album. I had I think I also had it on CD or it came with the CD, and I think it it just lived in my car for the longest time, and uh, I am in love with the singer uh, Danielle, the lead singer. I now absolutely wait, love the, her. The lead singer, she's the one who plays drums, right? Uh, she also plays drums, okay. but she, she sings sing, and plays guitar. Yeah. Most of them, yeah, okay. yeah, she I think she tracks all the drums uh, for 
uh, for all the albums. Uh, yeah, they all they all play drums, but she's mostly the one behind the kit. The, the other sisters. Okay, I got you. So there's Danielle, who's a singer, plays guitar, does the drums. Esty, who's the bass, bass. And then Alana, who is rhythm guitar and other auxiliary instruments. Who was the one that was in Licorice Pizza? That is Alana. That's the other sister. Okay. Yeah. I got it because they all, I, they're, I'm, I love this album too. Very good. Good choice. Mom. Yeah. I, uh, again, this is before Iconic for me. So I got this at Barnes & Noble. Um I don't really see this one uh, much in stores anymore. I they're, believe we can order this now. I think it's they back are, in print. I really do think it's back in print. I think it probably is. I mean, they should always be in print because they're such a good band, but I feel like even though they're popular, they're not as popular as I think they should be. Because to me, this album, uh, Start to Finish, is a perfect album. The only song I don't really like is the song, Go Slow. Only because it's slow and I like more upbeat songs. I mean, they tell you what what to expect when you put it on. I know, <laughs> but I, I'm I'm a hundred percent sure. Like every time I listen to it in my car, uh, I always skip it. Uh, but it's perfectly fine. It, I love this album so much. It's definitely one of my Desert Island top five favorite albums of all time. Uh, if you watch their video, like on YouTube or Instagram or anything, this hmm. there's a lot of the interaction with their good buddy Taylor Swift. Yes, they most Who's recently. Who's that? I, I've heard that name they're before. They're very good. Just I don't kidding. even know they're on tour because they're on tour right now. Yeah, they're on tour. I think. I don't know so if Taylor's. Taylor's with not them. with them on tour, but I think I think she played at, with them at their London show. Because I have no idea, but they I know they posted on their Instagram. They had a seven inch for record store day, and who was on it? Justin. Who's that? Haim. Haim. Um, Taylor Swift. Oh was yeah. Singing a, she had a verse on one of their songs, and of course that made him super super popular. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't. For some reason, I didn't like that. Even though I like Taylor Swift, I was just like, no, they should be popular on their own. They shouldn't be popular because of features. I think the first but one. But that's my whole thing This with one and their, their third one, because they haven't put anything out since the yeah, so three, right? The third one, Women in Music Part 3. Was good. That was I have that have that one on cassette, and I have the signed Danielle copy of it. Okay. That's the whole reason why I bought it. Um, again, I love Danielle. Um, they need, they're due for a new album, I think. Well, that came out. It was supposed to come out in 2020 in like May then the pandemic happened so they pushed it back so until like July probably. so probably yeah exactly what you're saying when they're done touring they'll probably start they'll go back into the studio and do another album because they never got to finish that album cycle probably not mm-hmm. uh, they got I remember they played SNL and then like a week later the pandemic happens mm-hmm. and Women Music Part 3 is probably my second favorite album there's their second album uh, Something to Tell You mm-hmm. it's a good album but it's not one I return to. Like it's kind of like more of the same, but none of the songs really hit me as much as. I only have the first days are or gone. The third one, yeah. Days are gone, or I absolutely love when music part three. I put like a pretty much, an, a song on, any playlist I create from that album usually usually on there. It's on my uh, Vecna playlist currently. Is their song "Don't Wanna." And I should probably ask you guys to order me a copy of when music part three on vinyl too. <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll get right on that, sir. And that is the show for this week, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we went on for about another hour and a half uh, talking, so I'm going to make this one a two-parter. So that is the end of Side A. Please uh, like, subscribe, leave a five-star review, and tune in again next week. Same Bobby Westside time, same Bobby Westside channel. Goodbye.